Welcome everyone to another session of Hill Time, which is a chat about all things ESG here inside Washington, D.C. and beyond all the way to the Western Coast today with my friend, Caroline Choi. She is the Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Southern Cal Edison. She's amazing. Not only is she a rock star in the energy field, but she's also my buddy from college. And I'm just so thrilled to see all the amazing work she's doing. And we're going to chat to Caroline today about her trip to Glasgow uh, last week and beyond and her kind of insights on where things are headed on climate change uh, coming out of COP26. So welcome, Caroline. Well, thanks, Hill. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. You're you're just I can't wait to hear about your perspectives and views because you've been in this business for a long time. How long have you been at Southern Cal Ed now? It'll be 10 years in January. Yep. So wow, incredible. And so tell us what you do at Southern Cal Ed. So Corporate Affairs is the organization that's responsible for our communications, internal and external communications, as well as philanthropy, and then engagement with our elected officials at the local, state, federal level, as well as key policymakers in certain agencies, particularly at the federal level with DOE and DHS, et cetera. So um, it's a really exciting time to be in yeah, and sometimes with my old stomping grounds of interior department. Yes, exactly. Interior, fish and wildlife service, of yeah. course, and forest service and ag. And, right. Yeah, exactly. So we have a all lot of, of the above. All of the above. Public lands. And yeah, so it's a lot of fun. I'm also at the holding company. So Edison International is the holding company parent for Southern California Edison and also Edison Energy, which is a, um, a company that works with companies on ESG, on their ESG goals, primarily around their energy procurement, energy management decisions. And so Southern Cal Ed is a utility in Southern Cal, right? Um, Investor held uh, entity. So that's pretty cool. You're working with companies as well on kind of guiding them through their ESG policies. So with that lens, you went all the way across the pond to Glasgow Yep. I got to do my Scottish accent, Glasgow. Okay, that's really bad. That's <laughs> to work on that. So tell us, like you were there almost the full two weeks, I think. I was. What was it like? Like, what was the vibe and just ha- coming out of that experience? Uh, share with us kind of your top impressions. Yeah, so uh, it was only my second time at COP and I did stay a lot longer than I had done in Madrid, which is my first COP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was you know this is a this was a major cop because it was a check-in post paris five years really six since uh the paris accords mm-hmm. so it was it was a lot of so there was a huge presence um it was great to see the u.s back so a very large u.s presence led by Se- secretary Kerry, and so really committed mm-hmm. to the goals of cop 26 and staying within the under two degrees celsius um, and so what I right. loved about it was just all the energy around the event, you know, the commitment that I saw from so many to mm-hmm. having this be a successful core, to holding people's feet to the fire, you know, in terms of being accountable to 
have plans and commitments that are going to stay within the sub two, uh, really the 1.5 degrees. Right. Um, 1.5. Yeah. And then just so many young people, the youth. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Tremendous, you know, so, you know, and I think coming out of COP, I think ultimately, I think it was a successful COP, you know, really talking about the phase out of coal or phase down, didn't get the phase out, phase down of coal, the, the commitments that were sort of separate in terms of methane linkage and deforestation and so the, the U.S.-China agreement that came out. Um, so I, I do think there was a lot of commitments made that are absolutely doable and achievable. And so now it's really holding people accountable to take actions to achieve those right. that were made. Was there kind of a contrast in your, your view of like how it felt at Madrid, which is equally important on this response to climate change? But with Glasgow, did it feel a little bit different? It did feel different because the U.S. presence was so strong, you know, and we were back in Paris. Mm-hmm. So President Biden had put the United States back into the Paris Accord mm-hmm. with a commitment and right. a significant commitment on Earth Day in, in April um, to the COP. And so we, it, it was just, uh, I think, clearly a different vibe coming from the U- United States nationally yeah. and on the subnational level. We were sponsors of the Climate Registry and the Climate Action Reserve, which are the hosts of the subnational delegation. It was the largest subnational delegation ever at a COP. So not just California, which has regularly had a presence at COP. We had the governor of Illinois, Governor Pritzker. We had Governor Edwards from Louisiana. We had a huge subnational presence there at the COP, also very focused in on the commitments, not just on mitigation, but also on adaptation. So it it was it was. It was just a lot more, I think, really robust, very yeah. robust presence from the United States. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So really what are some of it. the things? Yeah, I know. I wish I could have gone. So like you were there vicariously. I was living. Oh, no, wait. I was there vicariously <laughs> through you. So um, it's early here in D.C., yeah. not as early as Cali. But so tell us a bit about like as a representative of a major utility from the U.S., what were kind of some of the things you were looking at or, or wanting to kind of hear where folks were headed? What were kind of those those issues that you, you really wanted to hone in on? Yeah, you know, um, Southern California Edison is the only, it's the only electric-only utility, investor-owned utility in mm-hmm. California. So our friends to the north um, are a gas electric and as, as our friends to the south. And then there are, electric only utilities that are municipal mm. like Sacramento and LADWP. So we, what I think mm-hmm. we as a sector wanted to see was again, the strong commitment to addressing climate change. We definitely mm-hmm. have done a lot of work at Edison to lay out a pathway for California to achieve those goals that we've set for ourselves, which would line with right. 40% below 19 levels by 2030, uh, carbon neutrality by 2045. Uh, as a company, Edison International has set similar goals. So we want to be carbon neutral by 2045 across our scope one, two, three emissions. So looking to see the commitment and then the actions. And, and for us, as we've talked about the pathway for California, that's most economical economy wide. It really leverages clean energy, right? Everyone's talking about how do you get to 100% clean energy and then leveraging the clean mm-hmm. energy aspects of the economy, whether that's transportation, building electrification. Um, so leveraging electricity and that obviously 
to date, the electric sector has led emissions reductions in the United States. Our emissions have dropped significantly with the retirement of coal-fired power plants, um, a shift to gas, and a lot more mm-hmm. on the system. So seeing that commitment, talking about that, advancing that point of view, and then also talking about how much more in the electrification space needs to be done to hit the 2030 targets, because it's a, it's a lot. You know, California just hit a million vehicles in the state, a million. Really? Yep. Oh, that's but amazing. Yeah. Get to like close to 8 million vehicles by 2030. So we've got a long <laughs> right. way. It's like almost a million vehicles you got to add um, yeah. to 2030. So it's a lot to get done. It's a lot that's been done. And so definitely celebrating the successes that have been that have been uh, made and also right. the successes of the pilots. So people are really talking about a lot of the research, development, deployment of new technologies. Yes. But what definitely came out of COP was that's great. We've got to scale and accelerate to hit the 2030 targets. Everyone's got to ramp it up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure also a lot of talk about innovation, research and development, battery storage, right, to make the grid reliable. Because out there in California, we all know there's challenges, right, with grid reliability and climate resiliency and adaptation in the face of wildfires. Did you hear from other folks at COP with like similar challenges that California has and how are they kind of, how are you preparing to be more resilient in the face of climate, uh, the impacts as you're trying to transition to clean energy? Um, So it's a lot on your plate. I could see why you're so busy. Yeah, it's um, different challenges in different places. You know, I think what we definitely heard is that we're already seeing the effects of climate change, whether it's the wildfires in California where we've had record wildfire seasons um, or the, the the storms that we've seen on the East Coast, right? Um, Ida mm-hmm. and hurricane all the way up to tropical mm-hmm. storms in the Northeast by the time it got up there and the flooding that occurred. So these rains that are just tremendous and creating flooding mm-hmm. in all parts of the country and you just saw it up in Canada. So that was definitely um, a theme uh, that we're already seeing the effects. So the pressure and the urgency to do something to mitigate is clear. Um, and then on the adaptation side, to your point, it's like, what can we be doing to adapt to climate change, to hardening the electric system, certainly, but others mm-hmm. harden their systems as well to make it more resilient so that it, as we face these effects of climate change already, we've got to be prepared and have um, more resiliency built into our systems. And we're doing that at Edison and what I heard from our other utilities, both U.S. utilities as well as uh, international utilities, that they also are doing similar things. And then it was mm-hmm. great to see a lot on the technology, um, focusing in on existing technologies, but they're just constantly improving. So wind technology is an example that had been made to get more megawatts out of one wind turbine and the technologies to, to your point, make that more resistant and resilient to the changes in the climate. So as storm, right. storms get stronger, you've got to have wind turbines that can withstand the strength of those storms and, and ride those through and then be prepared to generate electricity right away when 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 the grid is back up and running. So yeah, and, and definitely also I think presents an opportunity for the US to build that capacity at home. And yeah. we're um, hearing a lot of discussion about that with the infrastructure bill, uh, creating domestic manufacturing and supply. Um, we've seen with the pandemic how there could be challenges in the supply chain 
which was largely uh, attributed to the times we're living in, but certainly climate change can affect supply chain. And so what, what are your thoughts about the new Biden infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better infrastructure bill? Well, I know there's the budget reconciliation that's yeah. Build Back Better, but the, let me rephrase that. The bipartisan infrastructure bill, what are some things in that piece of legislation that you all are closely tracking and will kind of be pursuing in terms of transmission upgrades or, you know, again, investment in renewable energy, that sort of thing. The bipartisan infrastructure package, definitely we see it as a down payment on climate action by the U.S. And we'll see if the Build Back Better reconciliation also passes Mm -hmm. here in the next few weeks. Um, There are a number of provisions that are in the bipartisan infrastructure package that we're taking a look at. As you mentioned, the resilience of the electric grid. So there's funding in there to prevent outages, enhance the resilience of the grid. There's grid reliability and resilience research, development and demonstration projects. There's a lot with respect to cybersecurity. So that's another oh, area, right. yeah. huge area of interest and concern and of attention within mm-hmm. our industry and, and at the federal level as well. Uh, clean energy demonstration projects. So um, you know, 21.4 almost $5 billion for clean energy demonstration projects uh, to keep continuing in advance there. You mentioned wildfire. And so there is actually grants in the bipartisan infrastructure package that are targeted towards preventing outages and enhancing resilience of the grid for wildfire and um, having community wildfire defense grants as well. So helping our communities also be more prepared for wildfire in our high fire risk areas. Mm-hmm. And that's not just, of course, in California, but across the West. And you know, I mean, we've even seen fires in the East as well. So, and then finally, I would say there's a, a fair amount in the e-mobility space. So um, electric vehicle charging mm-hmm. infrastructure, port infrastructure, um, Port of Long Beach is our biggest customer. Uh, between the oh, right. yeah. LA. They, I think, are responsible for 40% of the uh, goods movement in the country. So when there's a supply chain challenge, and it, it definitely has an impact on the port, and we're seeing that back up happening. And it's definitely getting better, but there's a lot of folks that are very concerned about their holidays here at the end of the year. So the, the EV um, mm-hmm. infrastructure is just, I think, a, a, a huge area of focus for us. And we're very excited about that. And from the passenger side to the ports to trucks, it's going to be, I think, a lot of funding that's going to come into not just California, but many of the states and real opportunity to advance um, e-mobility across the country. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And it really crosses so many sectors of our society and the way we operate and the things that that we need in our everyday lives. And I think it's helping us think about, you know, how can we live more sustainably in a more kind of resilient fashion, knowing that, you know, mother nature is speaking up and we need to to um, respond and try and create better balance. Uh, speaking of which, I was really uh, excited to see that Southern Caled did a deal with one of the California tribes to to co-invest in a transmission upgrade. Yeah. Um, I think that was the Morongo Band, awesome. and I I do think there's opportunities for tribal nations to engage in this clean energy economy that we're seeing. So kudos to you all for for engaging with with the local tribe on that front. 
Yeah, thanks. It was it's a great agreement. I think they're excited about the opportunity. The line is now energized. It was a long multi-year project. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think, you, you know, not just the tribes that the other thing that mm -hmm. was definitely a theme at COP and it's been a theme here in California for a while, which is around equity. And right. we make sure that the clean energy transition that's occurring and that needs to occur to address climate change includes um, an equity lens. And it's not just making sure the technologies are in mm -hmm. these communities. That's something that we're very, um, very vested in doing and ensuring and, and as is the state, but providing workforce development opportunities as well. So the community is is growing in the fields that have the real future that's clean and green. And so yes. that's something that we're very also focused on here is to think about workforce development and opportunities there. We started a line worker scholarship program just uh, in 2021 because we wanted to make sure that our line worker skilled trades also reflected our community. So this uh, first year cohort is focusing on the black community. We, were under mm -hmm. we are underrepresented in our line workers there. And so we, 12 folks, actually it's 11 now who are going mm -hmm. through Worker program, and if they finish that successfully and are hiring qualifications, we'll have a, a job at Edison. So it's really exciting. I think there's a lot that the industry and the state can do and, and already are doing and can do to really ensure that all of our communities can benefit as the transition occurs. Absolutely. And thinking about it on the front end is so key as we develop these policies and programs to, to really ensure that there is that equity and justice and and consideration of environmental justice issues from the get-go. So, well, thank you, Caroline. It's been so great to chat with you. Your work is amazing. And I'm just so proud that you're my buddy, my college buddy, you know, and, and just a little historical note, uh, Dartmouth is celebrating their the 50th anniversary this upcoming year of co-education at Dartmouth. And so, seeing you in your role and what you're doing that's what dartmouth and co-education is all about and now yeah. you're leading in the field and i'm just so thrilled uh with the work that you're doing and i can't wait to come visit you i'm going to come visit you soon once we can hang out and right. and hopefully in the spring when things maybe open up a little bit so thanks again and your insights are so incredible Awesome. It was great to be here. Thanks, Hillary. I know we've had a friendship for a very long time and can't wait to see you, the girls, and Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it. And that's a wrap for Hill Time. Until next time. And we'll look forward to our uh, next conversation. And thanks again, Caroline, for the great chat this morning. Take care, everybody. Bye.